Celtics Reddit podcast, Ben Ballas here, or as I go by on Reddit, Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Jackson's here with us as well, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's it going, man? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a big week, so I'm keen to discuss many a topic. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to it right in a second. But also joining us, multi-time guest, friend of the show, and one of the more active members of Celtics Reddit, Blabird33. Welcome back, man. How you doing? Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, no worries, man. I know it's super thank late you. there, so thank you for coming on. And uh, I think it's been like six months since you joined us. And, and last time you joined us, it was our most commented on episode ever. So hopefully we can uh, usurp that milestone this time around. But like I said, thank you again for, for coming on. Plenty to get to today. Yeah, that, was, that, that was probably me making the comments, right? <laughs> <laughs> anything for anything for cloud probably, law. Probably, <laughs> probably arguing with people who are saying, why did you have him on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if you can somehow tear that up again, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, but we've got plenty to get to today. Gordon Hayward has left us high and dry. We welcome some savvy vets onto the roster, and there's potentially a move or two to be made yet, plus Tatum's extension, and if there's time, we'll do a Celtics Reddit recap. But first, Gordon Hayward signs a fully guaranteed four-year, $120 million contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Where do you think this ranks in terms of your expected outcomes for the Gordon Hayward situation? Because I don't think a lot of people expected this to to go down the, the way it did. Yeah, no, no, certainly not. I think uh, the names that were getting branded about were the Hawks, the Knicks, and then Indiana became kind of the front runner. I think like 24 hours beforehand because the whole he wants to go home, he wants to raise his family uh, narrative seemed to pick up. And that's what I think last time we spoke, that was the thing that I was um, obviously leaning towards uh, the most. So I thought it was just a matter of time before that deal would be hashed out. But no, this is a this is a shocker, you know, not A, for the amount that he has been paid, uh, but B, for the, the team that he's ended up on. Uh, I, I think it's hilarious that he and Terry Rozier are going to be uh, teammates again, at least for now they are, and you never know what, um, what other roster moves might happen. But uh, yeah, I, I had, I, I'm shocked. When I woke up and I saw that he had signed a deal worth $120 million and then it was the Hornets, it was just a double whammy. So yeah, did not see this coming at all. Yeah, I totally saw it coming. No, clairvoyant <laughs> uh, um, you know, <laughs> No, on, on on some level, I think I, I, I mean, we, I was probably one of the only people on the on the subreddit that was kind of expecting him to opt out, just based on the idea that I thought he could get like four years, a hundred million. I think I mentioned that like many times because I was just basing it on what Horford got last year. And uh, so I'm thinking, you know, Horford, a few years older than Hayward. Hayward's actually coming off a much better season than Horford had a year ago. It made sense to me that someone was going to offer him a, a decent contract. And my hope was that Boston was going to resign him for 4 100 hmm. But 120 a little bit more. And it doesn't totally surprise me. It seems like every year there's some team that just reaches for, uh, you know, a, a, someone who they can convince themselves is going to be a star. And I don't totally disagree with it from Charlotte's standpoint. I mean, I think that there's a chance that Hayward's going to have a great season. So I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think that it was crazy. You know, I think people look at it as, oh, they gave Rozier 19 million last year, but Rozier had a good season last year for them. So, I mean, it didn't necessarily burn, you know, it didn't blow up in their face for that one either. So, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks to see him leave, but it doesn't totally surprise me that someone's willing to pay him that. So, I hesitate to use the word logic, but from Charlotte's perspective, what what is the logic in, in signing Gordon Haywood there? Because they've got a litany of ball handlers already. Uh, obviously, they just drafted Lamelo Ball. They've got uh, Graham and Terry Rogier also, and now they're bringing in a, a ball dominant uh, wing in, in Gordon Haywood. How, how do you see that all fitting together there in Charlotte? Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally out of ideas to be to be brutally honest. I mean, he, he's not like the guy that I think you really build your your team around. I mean, he he showed that he was capable of that back in his you know his, his the end of his Utah. Um, stint and he certainly probably would have been a key piece of for the Celtics you know had he not 
completely snapped his leg in half, you know, five minutes into his Celtic career. So, um, you know, there are so many what ifs you could go down um, that that path. And we've done that, you know, ad nauseum. So I'll avoid that now. But um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't see what the plan is. I guess Michael Jordan has some sort of plan. I guess the organization has some sort of plan, um, whether or not uh, it involves Hayward being the guy or he's just the guy to come in for now. And then they're going to get somebody else later on. Um, again, I'm just I'm clueless as to how it's going to all um, uh, fit together. But um, look again, like Labo said, he's he's not a bad player. You know, when he's available and when he is playing like he did for the first like five or six games early this season, um, he he definitely looks like an all star or former all star. You know, burdening on an absolute an actual all star again. So it's not the worst piece of business. But I think just given his track record and his his injury proneness as of late, um, yeah, I, I, I fail to see the the clear logic um, behind it. To be honest, mm. yeah, I think I mean from Charlotte's standpoint, I think you know we're we're recording this right now, <laughs> uh, you know, one a.m. my time, and I imagine by the time people listen to this, there's going to be more news because <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff still uh, that hasn't been resolved. So, I mean, by the time people listen to this, there might be more clarity. But, I mean, I can see there's a lot of different things that Charlotte can do. I mean, one was just like, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were rumored to be potentially trying to get Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And if they did that, then, you know, with or without Westbrook, I'm not sure Rozier makes much sense for them at this point because they brought him ball. So, I mean, if you just check out the the, you know, the Charlotte subreddit because I've been checking it out just to get clarity on some of these, these things that are relevant to us, their fans are pretty much confused too they're like well, a lot of them a lot of them i mean rosier actually is coming off a good season he averaged 18 points 42 percent shooting i think was not bad but they're all kind of under the impression he's going to be shipped out some of them think they're, that he's going to be shipped out to boston as part of a sign-in trade which then boston could reroute him somewhere else i mean there's a lot of things that they have to figure out but um but just in general i think the idea of adding hayward for them i totally get it i mean i, I maybe i was the only person or one of the only people that believe that Hayward was one of our best players last year but I mean he I felt like he should have had a bigger role for us when he's healthy he's a guy that I could totally see averaging 20 plus points I could see him averaging seven rebounds and five or six assists he has that talent and he's only 30 I mean so it's not if he can stay healthy which is the big if then I mean that's a huge piece for them and if they can you know if ball ends up being decent that's that's a good ad for them and if they can flip Rozier into something else I mean that's the start of something. And if they were just, you know, to go the Westbrook route, which I think they could potentially do by, just, you know, trading Rozier and maybe Zeller's expiring and some kind of asset. I've talked to, I've looked, I went to the Houston Rockets forum just to ask them and they seem to be open to that. So it's like, yeah, if they can get Westbrook and, and Hayward, then that's something. But who knows with them? I mean, they're just, you know, it's hard to really predict right now. Well, Larbird33 tra- traversing the uh, internet fandom <laughs> landscape. I love it. I, uh, I just want answers. I want answers. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> we all do. We all do. Um, I, I agree with all of that. I think from the the Charlotte standpoint, maybe just the fact that um, acquiring big name free agents is is probably uh, sort of few and far between for them and their fans, and the opportunity to sign Gordon Hayward, they're probably just like, "Fuck it!" Like, <laughs> when are we going to have this opportunity again? I, I googled just while you were talking there a moment ago, guys biggest Charlotte free agency signings in history. And the only article I could find was the top three free agent signings in Charlotte Hornets history, which I think tells you everything, like that there's probably only been three. And then only briefly sort of skimmed the article, but one of them was Marvin Williams. So uh, it's not really a litany of all-star names and talent there from a free agent acquisition standpoint. So good for them, I guess. And I suppose it makes sense if they can pay a little bit more money. They've got the... the is that just the city of Charlotte? So that's the Bobcats and the Hornets. It's not including the the New Orleans franchise when they were the Hornets I briefly. Believe it's just the the city of Charlotte. So the old right, school yeah. Charlotte Hornets combined with the new school Charlotte Hornets, who used to be the New Orleans Hornets, I, I believe. Right? No, that's not right. That's not right. But the city of Charlotte. To answer your question, um, sure, sure. So Gordon Hayward makes sense in that um, it's it's probably their first and only opportunity in a long time to to grab any big ish name. Uh, Adam Himmelsbach on Twitter tweeted, per multiple league sources, a Celtics-Hornets sign-and-trade involving Gordon Hayward is still being discussed. How confident are you guys that Danny Ainge can get a sign-and-trade done here and get back at one of those juicy trade-to-player exceptions? 
Um, forgive me if my ignorance, but like, don't they, they, they don't have to do a sign and trade. Like, I think that they've stretched Batum's contract that they still need to make cap room somewhere else. So unless they can dump salary elsewhere, then does it have to be a sign and trade with us? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant to this. No. So technically they don't. I mean, so here's the interesting thing about this. And this is something where, again, people are going to be listening to this tomorrow. Maybe there's going to be all sorts of clarity that makes this irrelevant and obsolete, but uh, they they said on Saturday that they were planning on waving Batum and stretching him. And as far as I can see, I've been checking all sorts of sources. And again, going to the the Charlotte subreddit, there's no clarity on if they've actually done that yet. Mm-hmm. And and their fans are like, has it has it happened? Have we waved him yet? I mean, are we? I mean, is that definitely happening? So they, I think they're looking at different options. Whether that's you know paying an asset to Boston to take Batum off their hands, which I think could still happen. Um, whether it's, you know, actually waving Batum, whether it's shipping off to a third team, whether it's keeping Batum and and uh, trading someone like Rozier into cap space, I think that's all on the table for them. And I think that's why we haven't gotten any clarity on this yet. Because I think Charlotte's still trying to figure out what their options are and what they can do. Yeah. So, so, um, so, so I, like, yeah, the what best case scenario from a Celtics perspective would be signing and tra- doing a sign and trade, but it would involve another team to get a different piece, unless we want Terry Rozier back. Is that what we want? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so to to the original question, my confidence on us doing a sign trade, I think it's pretty high, actually. I think we probably will. Um, and it's, I think there's a couple different ways that can go. One is that we give them an asset, second rounder, maybe multiple second rounders to try to get that big trade, trade a player exception. Or it could be something where we just are looking for third or fourth teams to, you know, maybe they send us Rozier and we send Rozier elsewhere and take back a player. Yeah. Um you know, there was that, there was a moment, which I don't think we ever really had any, I don't think it was ever realistic, but there was a moment where we thought we might get Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's still like, there's someone like Glenn Robinson the third. I think he's still a free agent. Maybe that's something where you could work out a, a sign and trade where you take on Glenn Robinson. I mean, there's, there's other options or it could be, I mean, yes. So to answer the question, and I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, but the answer to your question, I think that it's likely that we're probably going to do a sign and trade. It's just not clear what that's going to be. I can just go on for you know a long time on what kind of things we could potentially do with it. But uh, again, by the time people listen to this, maybe we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I certainly hope that we get it because it just opens up our options once again. We're, we're kind of hamstrung at the moment, but if we open up that additional cap space, which we have, I think, a full calendar year to use. So if we didn't cash in on that cap space now or throughout the season, we could always use it uh, in the following off season. Uh, it kind of undoes the whole, you know, Gordon walks away and we, we get no cap space back as a result. Suddenly we do have this cap space that we can use. And from what I understand, we can actually split the trade player exception. And, you know, if we get, a, for example, a $30 million trade exception back, we can split that into two $15 million contracts or something like that. So it does really open up our options and give us some more flexibility. And suddenly I think makes it a lot easier to say goodbye to, to Gordon Hayward. Um, as a Reddit user, the law of economy who wrote, for all of you saying Ainge fucked up, Charlotte offering Hayward $120 million is completely out of our control. At the end of the day, Hayward would have had to agree to a deal with Indy, and Indy was not going to match Charlotte for that amount, nor were we. Mm. So, I don't know. If we get this trade to player exception back, it's like, suddenly, it's kind of okay. I don't know. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, anyone who's like saying that, that, he, that he fucked up by like not, I don't know, doing the deal earlier or even like trading him potentially in the middle of last season. Like I think the value that Gordon Hayward got by backing himself or at least opting out and getting 120 million was going to be way greater than any value that we could have recouped out of a trade for him, if you know what I mean. So mm. no, I, I think, I think, um, I, I think Ainge definitely did, definitely didn't fuck up at all. This is just Gordon Hayward really like just doing it perfectly, you know, to be perfectly honest, as far as like, you know, cash is concerned. Um, so yeah, that that that, um, that tweet by Law of Economy is um, yeah, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, this is the stuff I get the most excited about because it just I like the idea of how how you can build a team and what kind of options you have. So, I mean, I wouldn't say Ainge fucked up. I think it's still too early. Um, you know, just like if you get the 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 thirty million traded player exception, then you basically look at any player that's under contract that's making under thirty million is potentially someone that we could then trade for. So, I mean, you can just look, I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, I mean, some of these names aren't that exciting, but like Evan like Fournier, I think from Orlando is making 17 million. He's an option potentially. We could try to target him. Maybe we go in a different route and we try to get a big, like uh, Aaron Gordon, Julius Randall aren't exciting, but they make that range 18, 
18 to 19 million. So if you wanted to move Tatum over to small forward, maybe you're looking for a big. And like even, uh, so there's another facet to this, which is that by bringing in uh, Thomas, signing him, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, but by doing that, you then, uh, you're then now hard capped. And as far mm-hmm. as I know, the hard cap means that we could only really add another around 21 million in salary. Mm-hmm. But if you're shipping out another player, so if you're shipping out whether it's Romeo Langford or, you know, um, anyone you know that's time lord whoever else is on our our contract right now you could potentially take in uh, more salary so like a name for example like lamarcus aldridge he makes 24 million he's in the final year of his deal not clear what san antonio is doing maybe you can get our aldridge for really cheap maybe you're like yeah we'll, we'll give san antonio a, a late first bring in aldridge he can now be our power forward slot him next to tatum at small forward i mean there's so many options you can do from the bringing in a talent standpoint and then to your point uh, that you mentioned earlier, which is that you could just use it to take on bad salary. I mean, that's something that Oklahoma does all the time. Um, Sam Presti is like, he loves to do this, where if you have a cap space or a traded player exception, you can then go to other teams and say, hey, we'll take on your bad contract. Give us a first rounder. And it happens all the time. It's, I mean, basically, uh, Al Horford was just traded with a first rounder. So if someone could take him off their off their books. So yeah, that's something you could do. So, I mean, you could end up giving away a second rounder or multiple second rounders or a first rounder just to get the traded player exception to convince Charlotte to do it. And then eventually turn that into multiple firsts. I mean, there's so many different options that you could do. Yeah. Well, the, the silence certainly is deafening at the moment. So we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully, I don't know. I, I personally keep waking up and checking my phone like every hour during the middle of the night. Most of the news comes out in the middle of the night here in Australia, and I haven't had a good night's sleep in like a week or so. Um, so I'm really waiting for this whole situation to continue to resolve itself, and it really does keep pushing itself out in, in that he initially applied for that uh, contract extension deadline, and you know we know he's not signing back with the team, but we still don't know the full resolution or, or conclusion of this Hayward situation. So hopefully by the time anyone's listening to this, we know, and, and you know that I've had a good night's sleep. Um, we, we are having to say goodbye to Gordon Hayward, though. Tumultuous tenure here uh, for the Celtics. He tweeted out just after signing with Charlotte, to the city of Boston, thank you for embracing me as your own these last three years. I cannot say enough uh, to thank all the fans, my teammates, coaches, and everyone in the organization I built such a strong relationship with. To wrap up the segment, guys, a um, bit of a remembrance session for, for Gordon Hayward. So is there a favorite Gordon Hayward moment or stretch of time or anything that sort of that comes to mind just to, you know, as a, a final farewell to Gordon here? This isn't a, a, a super <laughs> memorable or, or glamorous moment. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> was I think just before we move on from, I think when he did break his leg and he had the entire rehab moment with us, I think that was that really like endeared him to the city of Boston. Like, I mean, you had the haters like, like, oh, this is a bad contract now. Or, like, maybe hate is a bit strong of a word, but like the the fact that he got to rehab and then come back, like, I felt like if that went a lot better or if he did still stick around or if he wasn't as injury prone following that, then there would have been a deeper connection, you know, than we would have just gotten from receiving, you know, this new shiny free agent that would have started playing um, from day one. So it was a shame that that never really materialized. And, and as far as like a highlight is concerned, I mean, I know it's not, it was hardly a glamorous or memorable game, but didn't he go like 17 of 20 from the field against the Cavs? And yep. it was, he entered that rare pantheon of like uh, only player other than Wilt Chamberlain to X. He yeah. had one of those stats in favor. And uh, that was actually a quite a close game that he ended up, we ended up winning. And he was like, yeah, it was just, just about perfect from the field. So I remember watching that and thinking, yeah, we got, yeah, Gordon's back. This is awesome. Um, and and yeah, that's really about it. That's the only thing I can really think of where I was like super stoked on Gordon Hayward. Yeah, he had that clutch rebound to, and it was I think it was a rebound slash put back to, to get essentially the, the game winning points there on top of everything else that he had done in that game so uh yeah definitely up on that huge game against the Cavs and I think that was this last uh, most recent season as well so that was a good mm-hmm. one uh what about yourself Labed? yeah they, I mean when he obviously when he got hurt sucked and yeah. um <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of a pessimist so when, when it first happened I set my expectations very very low and mm-hmm. I was like well it might be we won't see him for 18 months so the highlight for me, honestly, was uh, when he finally did come back and, you know, he wasn't great initially, but then he had that game against um, the Timberwolves where he had 30 points. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone just got so excited because it was just the hope of, oh, maybe Haber's going to come back. I mean, it was great. That was the one where he, they dunked the water on his head. And it was just, yeah, this is mm-hmm. it's just a reminder of how good he could be. Um, so, I mean, that was the highlight for me. And also, I think that thread, it was fun, the, the Reddit thread, because I think the uh, the fans... 
we're ready to just rub dirt into faces of people like me who are skeptical. And I think someone <laughs> at one point told me to kill myself. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was someone had told me I should uh, I should kill myself. But that that was uh, that's the that internet for you. And I'm glad you didn't <laughs> yeah. do that. By the way, love but, but, but it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> to cap that story off, that the guy who said that uh, I ended up doing one of my podcasts with him, and we got along great. And by the end, he was like, "We should get a beer sometime." And couple months later he actually came to seattle and i actually got a beer with him it was great we got to talk about the team so cool yeah he it was didn't, a, he didn't hit so his pocket with austin <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, so both from, a, from a personal standpoint and just from watching hayward that was that was my favorite moment and then uh you know he didn't have the the rest of the season was a little disappointing but i thought this year he really did seem like he he came back he really did seem like it was a return to form so i'm a little disappointed that he's i mean obviously i'm disappointed that he's gone because i think hayward was a terrific player and um i wanted to see him succeed in boston so it's you know it's it's disappointing there was those moments that we got to see where you know he seemed to have more than any other player some of our biggest single games were hayward games where he would just have those crazy games where he went like you said 17 or 19 or whatever yeah complete games so, yeah and it just the- couldn't do it you couldn't do it consistently it's just you know whether he was still lingering pain from his injury or just the role it just he never really fully um became the guy that we wanted him to be yeah i mean the first eight games of the 2019 20 season right up until that spurs game where he broke his hand like he was probably the best player on the team or the most like complete all-round player on the team and it seemed like he was going to galvanize everyone else on the team and and sort of bring all of their individual skill sets together and, and make a deep playoff run obviously we made that deep playoff run um but i really do feel like we could have made it a little bit further, a lot further potentially, with Gordon Hayward healthy at the during the Eastern Conference Finals and throughout the playoffs. So very disappointing, and a little bit. I, I kind of thought, how more, how much more unlucky can he be if he resigns or if he opts in to his final year? Is he really due for another terrible year of bad luck and injuries, or would he finally, finally turn it around and, and have a stretch of good luck? Because maybe I'm superstitious, but I felt like if he opted in, he was he was due for a decent year with the team. So I'm sorry that we won't get to see that. He missed the birth of his child to try and help us win a playoff series. That's probably the the key takeaway for me as he departs the team. Is you know, it's people seldom do that kind of thing or make that kind of sacrifice for their employer. Uh, or anyone really uh, and it's kind of insane that he did that someone who, who recently became a dad um, I just you know obviously it's his fourth child I've only had one but I just cannot imagine having to make that decision in tandem with the rest of my family so that's kind of my parting memory of, of Gordon Hayward I suppose which is a good thing to pour water on that briefly, it was only because he was injured prior and has got to spend time at home the whole time. That wasn't wasn't he going to like leave the whole time, like the, for the for the birth of the child? Like we could have made like it could have been game one against the Heat, and then he would have had to have left. So anyway, yeah. it, it's, tra- it's still yeah. it's still a fantastic gesture, obviously. But yeah, there were circumstances surrounding that. I think I'm trying yeah, to like that, that also the- that also just shows that like he he you know in the in the four years three years we had him, he only played one game really that he was healthy in yeah. the playoffs. So in two, he missed, missed all of 2018 and 2019. He played, but he was a shadow of himself. And then literally one game this season, and then he you know came back, but he was clearly playing on one leg, and you know lots of heart to do that. But it's just so it's so disappointing that we didn't get to see what he could do with our team in the playoffs. Really yeah. shame. Yeah. Look, time to move on. Not just from Gordon Hayward, but also from this segment of the podcast. Uh, So two days ago, Chris Haynes tweeted, free agent center Tristan Thompson has reached an agreement with the Boston Celtics, according to his agent, Rich Paul and and Clutch Sports. La Bird, how are you feeling about this signing? Honestly, he's never been someone that I've really like cared that much about he's like mm-hmm. you know obviously he, he won you know with lebron he won those championships but i just see anyone who plays with lebron is just kind of riding his coattails to a certain extent mm-hmm. so i mean he, he obviously people people are fans of him and he got all that money but he just wasn't someone really on my radar so i've actually spent a lot of time just kind of researching him after the fact after we signed him just to try to get a better sense of what he really is as a player um, and you know, I think that he can. He's obviously a, he's a rebounder. He's like a. I think he was second in the league in offensive rebounds. So he's someone who obviously he's uh, got a lot of effort. He's uh, you know got a great motor. Um, widely considered to be a strong defender. So that seems like something we need. I just from his like he's not a really a big guy. He's only still six nine. So I don't know if that's something that if, is he someone that can actually match up against people like uh, Bam or is he still kind of undersized? It's not totally clear to me on how that's going to work out 
But, you know, I'm just kind of, I guess I would say I'm lukewarm on it. Um, you know, I wish we would get someone who could, I guess, play more of a, a floor stretching big. And I'm not sure if that's him. But on the flip side, he actually went, I think, nine for 23 from three this season. So maybe that's something he's been adding to his game. Mm, yeah. I mean, he's definitely going to get the opportunity to put up some threes just based on how the Celtics offense works but i mean with with canter shipping out and i'm sorry canter fans we haven't set aside any time to to do the canter send-off conversation (laughs) maybe maybe for deeper in the offseason if there's no content to discuss but but jackson i I guess from the you know looking at it as the canter replacement are you are you yay or nay on on this thompson acquisition Oh, I'm yeah, because I think he's an upgrade over Cantor. I mean, I would have preferred the return of all of Australia. I would have preferred Big Bainsey <laughs> yeah. um, back on the team. Uh, and now he's playing with the fucking Raptors of all people. The oh Tampa Bay Raptors. Um, yeah, brutal. The Tampa Bay Raptors, yeah. <laughs> Although it, at least it wasn't like, you know, Philly or anything. Anyway, um, no, <laughs> as far as like an, an upgrade over Cantor is concerned, like I'm I'm definitely all for it. I mean, it, it's, it feels like it's a bit of a, I don't know, a throwaway or it's something that you can't really hang your hat on too much particularly you know as Larbert said uh, playing with LeBron you know you're kind of riding his coattails a bit but he is a veteran who has won a championship so he is going to bring some level of experience to the team that is is sort of unique because we don't have any you know championship winning players on this team uh and now we do so didn't work out for Kyrie but again (laughs) moving on from that um I still I still think he'll fill a role and I think um you know he's been in a situation with the Cavs for God, since LeBron left. So what's that now? Like three years, four years maybe, where he's just been playing, you know, just meaningless bottom feeding, just, you know, essentially tanking basketball uh, on a team that's not competing. And now he's flung straight into a team that is expected to finish in the top four of the Eastern Conference and in more likelihood will make another decent uh, playoff run. So I think if that, I think that should energize him and that should focus him. And, you know, I'm, I think if Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens seems to be able to get the best out of certain players. And I hope that he's one of them because, yeah, I think if we can see like, the form that he had similar to that championship run in 2016, I think it was. Um, yeah, I think you'll be a fantastic asset to the team. Yeah, I would say that uh, to just get a sense of how the rest of our subreddit feels about it, I thought I was telling that one of the top comments was basically, well, that's a tradable contract next to, you know, yeah. once the trade deadline comes around, he's got $9 million that we can throw into trades. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are probably in the same boat where to just say, hey, he's just some guy that played LeBron, whatever. But uh, I get the sense that he's kind of like a he's kind of like a poor man's like Dennis Rodman, I guess. That's kind of his thing. He just plays really hard, great defense, you know, great motor. And so, I mean, that that's something I think that once we see him Celtic Green doing that stuff, Celtic fans will probably totally embrace him. So excited to see what that will look like. Yeah. Well, look, two years, $19 million, basically the, the full mid-level exception there. Uh, he averaged 10.2 rebounds per game last year, good for ninth in the league and four offensive rebounds per game. So we're talking about the... The Cantor replacement, he definitely uh, is sufficient in that regard. 12 points per game on 51% from the floor. Don't know if he's going to get access to as many shots per game in green. But uh, look, I think we're happy to have him. We, we plugged a hole there in, in terms of a, a rebounding big that can play a slightly better D than, than Cantor. So, I mean, there's really nothing um, we can say to, to fault that. User ChrisCK2196 wrote, Ooh, Tice off the bench is even better now. And then in reply to that comment, Julian Manady wrote, I think Tice is still the starter. He's better offensively and defensively than Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson was the canter replacement. Who do you guys think our starting center is going to be? Because I'm I'm completely torn on this. Is it still Tice or is Tristan Thompson subbing in? For me, it's Tice. I think you've got to kind of go with the incumbent like to start with anyway. But I think something that might be underrated is like, it, this might actually lift Tice's game even further. Like we acquired Cantor last season, and I think Tice's game went up a went up a level. Now we've got someone who's probably viewed in a higher regard um, than Enos Cantor in Tristan Thompson. I think you'll probably see Tice's game go up, you know, even further. You know, he sure he has limitations, but you know, he was he was super valuable for us last year. So if even if just by having Tristan Thompson around, be it a starter or a bit on the bench, can lift Daniel Tice's game, then you know that's a that's a fantastic result for us anyway. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tice for. Yeah, I'm going to say Daniel Tice. I guess I'll go with Thompson. 
and I think I've been calling him Thomas this entire time, so that tells you how much I'm excited about this. But, but, uh, you got a couple of yeah, syllables right. That's, that's all that matters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we're, I think the hope is that he can be an upgrade over Tyus, obviously. So, um, I, you know, we'll have, to, we'll have to see, but I think he probably will start over Tyus. Yeah, there could be some interesting lineups there as well with maybe Tice at the four for stretches based on matchups. And I think where Tice holds the advantage is his knowledge of the system. But then again, Thompson has played against us in at least one or two playoff series. So he would have had to have studied the Celtic system at some point. Um, and hopefully he's studying it again. But there's there's certainly um, some joint knowledge there, but I think Tice still holds the advantage in that sense. So um, I don't know, Brad Stevens has had a multiple occasions that the starting lineup is always matchup dependent so it'll probably stay that way um but i'm just glad that we we don't really have a big on our roster anymore that can get played off the court from a i don't know how to defend a pick and roll standpoint so i think that's that works to our advantage going deeper into the into the postseason if we make it that far uh adam hilmersbach just on tice by the way tweeted per sources the celtics have officially guaranteed center Daniel Tice's $5 million salary for this season. So um, no surprise there, according to Adam Himmelsbach, which is um, which is good news. Um, another tweet from Adam Himmelsbach. I clearly can't say his, his surname particularly well. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some uh, post-production where I just say Himmelsbach and then like splash it into all these, these times that I messed it up. <laughs> he tweeted, the Celtics will sign Jeff Teague to a one-year deal, according to a league source. Jackson... Yay or nay on the Jeff Teague uh, signing um, in replacement of Brad Wanamaker? Uh, I'm going to give you the most fence-sitting sort of shrug your shoulders eh, <laughs> sort of answer I can possibly muster. I mean, yeah, um, as far as like a body replacement for Brad Wanamaker is concerned with a guy that's got experience, cool, no worries at all. I think there's some tweet going around or some quote from Brad Stevens from years ago. Uh, he was super high on Jeff Teague, but again, you know, Four four years ago, you know, you would have said, you know, having Blake Griffin on your team would be super valuable and, you know, it's not the case anymore. So things change over time. Um, yeah. And <laughs> as far as like... <laughs> I'm really no, high no on Blake, no shade of Blake Griffin. He was the he was the first one that came to mind. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I can't get excited about this. I mean, it's I mean, it, I could think of worse players to take back. Like if if you to hop back to Terry Rogier, would I would I prefer Terry Rogier or Jeff Teague? Um, I probably prefer Terry Rogier to be perfectly honest, but hey, look, I'm 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 open to Jeff Teague wowing me and having a um and becoming like that that sort of wily veteran that you know maybe Brad Stevens can you know because of his uh, you know his his um his fandom of him for lack of a better word might be able to re-energize his game to some degree. Um, hmm. But yeah, I, I I can't be really excited about this this move just yet. Anyway, yeah. What about yourself, Larbert? Can you sell us and the fans on on Jeff Teague, or are you with Jackson there? <laughs> Please. Please do. You know, honestly, I, w- I was more excited until I started hearing some, you know, fans who have been watching him recently yeah, just start yeah. saying, this guy sucks. I mean, basically, <laughs> it was just, what, they were just saying that he sucks. I mean, I, so I had an impression of him. Oh, yeah, that's that's a, that's an upgrade over Wanamaker. But a lot of people point out, oh, he just dribbles a lot. And, you know, he's like, you know, just uh, not a great defender. And I don't know. I mean, I think Wanamaker might have been one of the most underrated players on the Celtics. I mean, he, he played his, you know, obviously for a, a minimal role, he played his role really well for the most part mm-hmm. i mean he shot what i think over the two season 38 percent from three you know great from the line you know decently ran that you know as a third string point guard i thought he did a pretty you know pretty decent job so you know i mean maybe it's an upgrade maybe it's not i don't think it's you know it's not really a huge deal as long as kemba is healthy and we have marcus smart i think potentially being our, our backup point guard again mm-hmm. um yeah i'm not too stressed out about it but i can't say i'm too excited about it no, yeah. I mean, it's kind of replacing mediocrity with mediocrity in, in a sense that uh, hopefully, just as Brad Wanamaker wasn't particularly noticeable to anyone, particularly non-Celtics fans, Teague will be the same, where he'll just come in and, and kind of play his role and do his job and check out, and, and that will be that. But um, certainly noticeably shitty to the Minnesota fans and the Hawks fans before that. Um, regarding his second stint with the Atlanta Hawks. But other than that, like I don't think he's really been relevant since the 2015-2016 season. Um, user Warlando Boom wrote, Oh, wow, Ainge is actually signing vets and not just filling the roster with undrafted rookies and never heard of Euroleaguers. Um, and to add to that, you know, Tristan Thompson, he's been in the league since, I think, 2011. Do you think there's any merit there to adding, you know, that two... 
hesitate to use the word major <laughs> involving Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson, but our two major free agent signings are these these two savvy veterans. Do you, do you think there's any merit to, to adding that veteranship, for lack of a better word, to our team? Um, it might indicate the direction they're looking to go in terms of like, because the bench last year was, you know, I I wouldn't say Achilles heel, but it was a major, major weakness, but, you know, particularly like production off the bench. So, you know, just by having extra bodies on there, you know, I feel even if it, if it, that means Daniel Tice comes off the bench or, um, or, or, or Jeff Teague can, you know, be slightly more productive than Brad Wanamaker, then I think that if they improves the bench, then that's, that's fantastic. And I think maybe they're maybe being a bit more veteran focused, um, now and particularly at least in the recruitment um uh department because i mean we did use all our draft picks to get you know three dudes that you know i personally never heard of but i wish them all the best and hope that they can certainly be productive but uh yeah maybe we might see more of a of a veteran um uh preference for free agent signings going forward so um if that is the case then you know again we'll just have to wait and see how it how it pans out yeah, I think you know we are you know adding veterans is always obviously a good always a good thing from you know this team's obviously very very young and we no longer have Horford or Hayward so at least from a locker room standpoint having those guys should be um, a good thing and it's people that you know have experience in the NBA that you can rely on but part of me is still hoping that you know maybe maybe Time Lord ends up being our starting center or maybe maybe a uh, Pritchard or or uh, Tremont Water Waters ends up you know having a bigger role than uh, than uh, Teague you know so. I hope you know that's obviously the hope is that these young guys will be able to step into those roles but it's good to have these kind of steady hands just in case they can't yeah so because what's the veteran leadership there from Jeff Teague is it you know he's, he's saying to, to Peyton <laughs> Pritchard what, what you want to do man is just bring it over you know halfway and just just pound the ball for like 18 seconds just run a good chunk of time off the clock and then uh and then just kind of wing it from there that's that's what I've always done and I'm still in the league so um <laughs> yeah just take it from me buddy it's all good <laughs> exactly yeah I'm, I'm a little worried about that but we'll see and uh you know like Brad Wanamaker doesn't exactly move the the needle a lot, so may as well take a flyer on a guy who's got a bit more experience in the league, got some playoff experience. Um, I don't know. I I don't see that being a a massive win or a loss from the Celtics standpoint, and we needed to fill that spot. Brad Wanamaker's gone on to to shoot free throws in competition with Steph Curry, which will also be interesting. Um, But Vale, Brad Wanamaker, um, I wrote this note on the run sheet earlier today, favorite Brad Wanamaker moment thinking that throughout the course of the day I would I would think of one I haven't so uh, have, you, have you guys got anything to, to add in that in that regard oh wow that's gonna be a, <laughs> that's gonna be a test <laughs> just a time where you were just absolutely wowed by by Brad Wanamaker um, probably the moment I realized you could say his name to the tune of Suicide Blonde by NXS. Do you know that song, <laughs> Bob Bird? You want to make a Suicide that's, Blonde? That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. That was, that was the moment I was like, oh, sweet, this, this could work. Yeah, I, I think we can go with that one. <laughs> Fair enough. But real quickly, just I mean, to your, to your larger point about bringing in veterans. Um, so one of the things that uh, on a subreddit, someone was, you know, they're freaking out because Danny Ainge just postponed his, postponed his press, press conference. And they're yeah. like, does that mean that we could potentially is it, you know is that related to this Charlotte thing? Part of me wondered how would you feel if you know our rookies aren't they're not signed to contracts right now. So yeah. Aaron Neesmith, how would you feel if you found out tomorrow that one of those guys got shipped out in a package to bring in a veteran? Would that upset you? Would you be like, oh, I guess it depends on the veteran? I mean, I mean, are you prepared yeah. for that possibility? It, it, depends, ladder, it yeah. depends. But uh, I've I've allowed myself to get irrationally high on Aaron Neesmith over the last week or so. Um, and so I'm yeah. not emotionally ready to let go of that. <laughs> I've really uh, built him up a lot in my mind. So um, I want to I want to hold on to Neesmith. Yeah, there's always there's always the allure of the youth and the guy that you trade that you drafted that um you so you 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 want them to to work out. So I would be a little bit disheartened if that happened. But again, you're right. It depends on the veteran. It depends on what the package we receive back for them is. There was a post today. Someone was mentioning, you know, what if we went after Buddy Heald? They just, you know, the Kings can potentially match Bogdanovich, and then why would they have both Bogdanovich and Heald both making around twenty million? You know, I'm not a huge healed guy, but then I was wondering, well, is that something where we would send out Neesmith for healed? Is that, I mean, I kind of hope that Neesmith is going to be better than healed, but it could, it could happen. It's like one of those things where really anything can happen and hopefully tomorrow we'll get answers. Well, yeah. And then I saw, I think I read the thread you're talking about there and someone replied that Neesmith is basically buddy healed, but with serviceable defense. And that was obviously a controversial comment. It might've been you, Larbert. I can't remember, but um, <laughs> um, obviously that, that attracted um, a lot of heat, that comment. But um, 
I don't know, like a lot of our guys are young. And so it's good to have a veteran presence, but I, I would be wary of our team leaning too far in the in the veteran direction. Like, it would, I don't think we're quite at the point where we need to populate our bench with veterans to sort of psychologically deal with a deep playoff run. It's, it's good and healthy to have enough to help coach our young guys, but I, I don't think like we have a, a serious need for you know, a, a, a large amount of veterans on the roster yet. I think we're still in a late developmental phase. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. <So>. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Wojbomb, Jason Tatum has agreed to a five-year, $195 million extension with your Boston Celtics. Source tells ESPN, user, you just lost to Boston, writes... With all the Danny slander this week, can we take a minute to appreciate the massive fucking balls it took for him to pass up on the consensus first overall pick, Marco Fultz, and take Jason Tatum instead? Absolute star, soon-to-be superstar. I think I know the answer to this, guys, but how do you feel <laughs> about the Boston Celtics maxing Jason Tatum? Um, 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 a completely uninteresting and obvious answer, but I'm elated. You know, the <laughs> the only question was how soon after after he was able to be maxed would he be maxed? Um, and I guess if I'm super petty, I'm a little bit annoyed. Donovan Mitchell got it before he did, but at the same time, <laughs> I don't care. It, it was what we wanted. It was what we expected, and it's what we knew what would happen, and it happened. So uh, you know, job done, and it's great. Yep. Hopefully, he plays his entire career in Boston. I mean, that's uh, obviously my my favorite player on the team right now, and and uh, hope hopefully that he you know he can stay healthy and and reach that superstar ceiling we're hoping that he can, he can reach. And yeah, I mean, nothing but obviously positive and excite, excitement about him sticking around. Yeah. Well, not that it was ever a doubt. I mean, obviously, there, any player that's coming off the rookie contract is going to be signing for that. Uh, you know, the additional four years. But it's just great, you know, to to see it confirmed. Well, yeah, and you do want to hold out some hope that they, uh, you know, they've bought into the team and the culture, and that they are planning to stay there, you know, as long as they can. And Jason Tatum's mother was quoted as saying he wants to uh, not just say that he's played there his whole career, but that he brought the city of Boston a couple of banners, and his number is retired. I'm certain that he would love that when i saw that quote uh posted to the <laughs> sub i uh i was like i don't think my day can get any better at this current point in time that was of all the things that you want to read as a, a tatum fan and as a celtics fan it's that you know this guy's talking to his mom about like his legacy as a celtic and and, and bringing home multiple championships and obviously you know if you to approach it as a realist like those are the kind of quotes that his people are going to want to put out there at the moment given the circumstances and who he's signing a contract with so you know, I guess if you're a pessimist, you could say that that's maybe somewhat manufactured, but you don't hear that from the mothers or directly out of the mouths of the guys signing these contracts everywhere. I don't think I've heard Donovan Mitchell say that he wants to bring multiple championships to the Chaz uh, and build a <laughs> legacy there. So uh, that made me feel really good. Um, do you think that there's um, like there's a, there's a genuineness to to that comment there from Tatum, or is he just kind of saying it just to to be um, seen as popular in the fans' eyes? Well, yeah, there's an element of lip service to it, but at the same time, if he didn't say it, then we could base an entire episode around <laughs> how worried we are or what potential trade we could, or package we could get for him as well, too. So the fact that his mum said it rather than him is, is one thing, but at the same time, I think it's just too early in his career for him to be worrying about like where he's going to be moving in the future. Even if he's like, even if he's like his number one dream is that, I don't know, fucking Memphis relocates to St. Louis and then he goes over <laughs> there as like their, their inaugural mark. No, don't say uh, it, Jackson. Free agent signing. I know, I know. I don't. I don't want it. I either. can't handle that. I don't want it either. But um, no, I think. I think all he's focused on at the moment. I think. He, yeah, he obviously wanted to 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 get his to get his money so he can look after his family, can look after his kid. Um, but now, you know, all he's got to do is now is just focus on basketball. And I think as long as he's in a functional organization with teammates that you know he likes playing with uh, and he's competing, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's tick, tick, tick. So, uh, yeah, I don't see him going anywhere for a long time. But again, you never know. You never know what personal shit can pop up in somebody's life. You never know what kind of um, scandal or locker room drama can just sort of, you know, just 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 erupt out of nowhere. You know, it's it, it, you have to reassess these things day by day. But, you know, given what we know and given what we can, you know, forecast, you know, within, 
you know, our reasonable foresight. Yeah, no, he, he's not going anywhere. And I completely believe that in a, an ideal world, in his ideal world, he stays here. He wins lots of banners. He makes his money and he's a Boston legend. And number zero just gets added to that, you know, gigantic list of numbers that no one else can wear anymore. <laughs> and I wouldn't give a shit if it was Tatum's number. I really wouldn't. So, yeah, let's hope so. I'm definitely choosing to believe that he's legitimately wanting to stay here for his entire career. But like you said, I mean, I'm pretty sure even uh, pretty sure Kyrie Irving's dad might have said similar things about Kyrie when he was <laughs> yeah. a Celtic. Might have been a Nike so commercial really, as well. <laughs> yeah, right. So I can't. You never know. I mean, I, I mean, really though. I mean, to be realistic about it, I mean, the, the to a certain extent, the the clock starts now for Ainge to make sure that he's putting a great supporting cast around that guy because you know, in four years or I think it's yeah. Four years from now, I think he's got a player option on the last year. And then, uh, you know, maybe he goes and jump ship the Lakers. You never know. So basically, you have to make sure that uh, we do everything we can to put a great cast around him. And if we have, you know, three or four years of failing to make the Eastern Conference finals for one reason or another, anything can happen. So yeah, trying to appreciate it now and hope that he's legitimately wanting to spend his whole career here. But these days, it's hard to say. I'm sure that quote was captured right after Tatum and his mom saw that ancient sign Jeff Teague. So, you know, it's going to instill hope in uh, you know, his immediate future for the Celtics. Um, this was a post or a comment rather by user Muscles Testosterone who wrote, I listened to Tatum's podcast episode with JJ Reddick. He is obsessed with legacy. Like the reason he wanted to make the All-Star game so badly was because he thought of if he didn't make it by the third season, people would start writing him off as a prospect and his career would be virtually over. He's a really quiet guy and doesn't express himself very much, but I'm sure the thought of becoming an all-time great for a franchise with history like the Celtics is a tremendous motivator for him. I love JT. Let's get it. Um, do you feel like this kind of softens the Hayward news a little bit? Like it, it, It's almost like a passing of the, the baton and while we're saying goodbye to Hayward and all the nice and positive things we said about him you know, a few minutes back, that this this signing and this this sort of cementing of the next four or five years or so helps to to soften the blow there a little bit. It's almost like the transition from one era to another. Jackson, it's a weird. I said I wouldn't talk about the injury, but we're gonna have to go back to the injury in a second because I think the only reason that his career is in the position that it is now, and certainly not the only reason. I'll walk that back, but you know his, his game time and his role in the team was elevated by Hayward's absence. And the reason I think Hayward felt compelled to leave, like, was not only for the money, but also because his role in the team had been relegated. And that was purely because of Tatum's, you know, um, you know, development and the, the skill set that he has displayed and the fact that he is, you know, he's kind of becoming the leader and he's still only 22 years old. So, um, yeah, it definitely does soften the news because at the end of the day, like, you. In the NBA, like you, there is no way you are going to compete or win a championship without having at least one guy. You know what I mean? That that one, you know, next level dude. I think Joe calls them, you know, air, um, world benders, air benders, or world benders. Yeah, yeah reality benders. Yeah, yeah. You that's know, right. Giannis is one. Harden is one. AD, LeBron is one. Tatum, you feel is probably not in that realm yet, but he's on, you know, the highway to it. And now he's getting paid like one. So as long as we have at least one of those guys that you can invite others to play around, um, to play with, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I would much rather of, I would much rather this be the result of the free agency, um, you know, as in him getting paid and him staying rather than, you know, any other roster move that may or may not have happened for sure. Yeah, I don't know how anyone could really be down on the team or Ainge really right now. I mean, it's it's similar to like last year where we lost we lost five starters really. I mean, Morris, Horford, Kyrie, all those Rozier, they were all starter level level talent, but we somehow got better. And it's gonna be a similar thing here where we we're losing Hayward. So on paper, that's definitely a negative. We're we're you know, we're losing one of our best players, but he wasn't there at all in the playoffs really. So we're not really losing anything from that standpoint. And by losing him now, that just means um, more of a heightened role for Tatum, more of a heightened role for Jalen Brown. And, you know, that's that could be a, a good thing. I mean, Tatum is his last half of the season in the playoffs. That dude is on the verge of being an MVP caliber player. So you, you'll lose on paper, you're losing talent, but then you make up for it by the fact that these guys are so young and they're developing so much in these, uh, you know, in these coming seasons that we could be a much better team next year despite losing Hayward. And that's not a knock on Hayward. It's just that that's what happens when you have a team built around young guys. Mm. Just quickly, before we move on, Taco Fall and Tremont Waters both re-signed two-way deals with the Celtics 
Larbird, did this invoke any feelings or response in you at all? How did, like, how did you feel when you read this? I felt completely indifferent. <laughs> I don't know if, if Taco has the same allure when he doesn't have a bunch of fans chanting for him, and I'm not <laughs> sure if the Red Claws are going to have crowds. I mean, he, he is sort of, at this point, kind of a, a meme player, so... It's cool. I like Taco. Seems like a nice guy. I don't really have much expectations of him from a basketball standpoint. Yeah. But uh, I'm happy that we have him in the loop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm 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 stoked on I'm stoked on Tremont being being available there. But I mean, yeah, Taco. I, I think it would you would have the biggest like sort of fake outrage and fake outcry if you didn't resign. <laughs> what are you doing, Angels? Oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> blah 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 blah. But you know, I could see him like ending up at the Mavericks or something, and then they just have these like just absolute skyscrapers of players and stuff too but no it makes me happy that they that we resigned them for sure but um yeah i'm, I'm glad we had the, the the shortest player and the tallest player in one fell swoop it's, it's great business <laughs> do you think there's any moves left for Ainge and the celtics front off between now and when the season starts my feeling yeah. is yes i don't know <laughs> i don't yeah. know what ones but I, I get the feeling yeah there's definitely a move or plans to be moved for sure yeah i think that's definitely what what's being worked on right now and you know again by the time this gets posted we might have more clarity but you know whether we just get that trade player exception try to hang on to it for a while or really i mean we could try to bring in someone immediately to fill that kind of gap that hayward's leaving i think everything's on the table right now and and you know angie's he's always trying to look for opportunities so yeah i I would guess that we're gonna see something even if it's a small thing before the season starts yeah, and no, I hope you're right. And I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm not satisfied from the fan standpoint. I, Like I said, I'm waking up every hour, every night, refreshing Twitter, refreshing Celtics Reddit, looking for uh, just a hint of news. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, the, the Taco Fall, Tremont Waters stuff didn't really get the pulse racing as, uh, as I've become accustomed to over the last few seasons. So um, yeah, uh, fingers crossed we see a little bit more action from the front office there between now and the beginning of the season. We're going to take a very quick break and be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. This is the Reddit recap, and we're going to start with a post by user PoutCyrus8. Hope I've got that right. Posted a pic of the new Celtics City Edition jerseys. Guys, have you seen these jerseys? What do you What do you think of them? I'll start with you, Jackson. I like the idea that it's like based off the, the championship banner, but at the end of the day, it's white and it's green. And that's about it, really. I kind of want the City jerseys to be a little bit sort of out there even if they're like horrendously garish like not to like harp on about my the soccer team that I support but Manchester United has this absolutely like just headache eye-wateringly like acid zebra kit that's just it's so horrendous to look at but the more you look at it the more you like you know what? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. But like, it, you have to remind yourself how horrible it is. So I wouldn't. Mi- I would like to see us take a punt and get like some like fluoro orange weird shit happening sometime. But I mean, as far as like the design is concerned, like just in and itself. I mean, I don't hate it. But again, it's just not really. Just doesn't. Just doesn't excite me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm, when I when I first uh, when I first leaked photos of it, I think it was like an NBA 2K still, and it, it just had it just had this Boston Celtics on all white with no border around it and it looked like a practice jersey it looked ridiculous mm. and my only comment was oh if they added a border on that it might be decent and then they added a border on it so it's, it's fine oh, they clearly you know I mean? clearly trolling the sub there <laughs> looking for yeah. feedback so at least at least the green borders there so it's fine user <laughs> i won't be buying it but it looks fine yeah no user android 13 wrote not a bad jersey and i like the banner homage but seeing other teams more modern slash colorful designs make this makes it seem like a missed opportunity which i agree with i feel like if they had publicized the fact that this is clearly an ms paint design contest between the, the <laughs> jersey designers there at nike or the celtics would have made it a little bit more forgivable but um yeah i mean it's not the most not that i know anything about fashion or being fashionable but uh it just doesn't seem like the most appealing design 
uh, to wear anywhere. But, you know, uh, like someone else mentioned in the sub, and Celtics credit is significantly divided on this one. Uh, Jalen Brown looked very, very good wearing this jersey, but I think that he would look pretty <laughs> good wearing um, just about anything. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that uh, my dad is like a very old school Celtic fan. And I think there's a lot of the traditionalists who just like they don't like any totally. kind of alternate jerseys. They just want the white and the green. And they're like, what's these black jerseys? What's these ones with the gold trim? I don't want any of this. So I think this might be appealing more to the old school Celtics fans. Yeah, I do like that about the Celtics, that they've never really deviated from their, their classic design. Like if you look back at the 60s Bill Russell era jerseys, I think they said Boston across the front instead of Celtics. That's kind of been the, the major change throughout the decades. But I really like the staying true to that design. I think it, it adds to like the, the mystique and the legacy of the Celtics franchise. So I'm a fan of that. We're a very traditional uh, organization, you know what I mean? There's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of variation away from the the basic uh, color scheme. Um, so yeah, I would like, wouldn't mind seeing us take a swing and just like doing something out there uh, at, at some stage. But at the end of the day, like I can't complain because I do I do value that sort of tradition and that sort of consistency that we have as well too. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine either way. So we've got one more Reddit post to get to. I'm going to read this out and then I'm hoping it opens up to like a broader conversation about the state of the subreddit over the past week or so. So this is posted by user Floss Diddy. The title is, This sub has gotten extremely irrational. And they go on to say, Everyone agrees for the most part that Tatum is untouchable for Harden. Everyone else saying that they would rather have the status quo than an MVP Hall of Fame player needs to lay off the edibles. And another thread talking about Ainge not liking Harden. He called Presty plenty of times trying to get James Harden before he was shipped to Houston for Kevin Martin. You want a successful basketball team now and the immediate future. You pair Tatum with any MVP level talent. So referring to James Harden there. You want to play the lottery and form a team around Brown and Jason Tatum. Hope Tatum doesn't walk after his contract and the Bucks, Nets, and Heat get progressively worse while also filling out your team with two other All-Stars. The Eastern Conference Finals is a participation trophy. No one cares. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Um, <laughs> which I, I get, like, obviously the trade or do not trade for James Harden has been a very divisive subject on the subreddit. And that I wanted to read out that post because it kind of captures the vibe of the subreddit over the past week or so. And it has become a very divisive community. Um, can, can you guys expand on that at all? With I guess to, to begin with, the the moves that Ainge has made, or more importantly, the moves that he hasn't made, has divided the community at all. Do you think that the community here as a whole are, are stressing out prematurely, or do you think that there's merit to the way that everyone's leaning at this time? I'll, I'll keep my, my take rather brief. I think we are spoiled by how consistent even keel this organization has been run you know the Kyrie turbulence notwithstanding it's not like we're run it's not like we have an uh, an owner like the rockets have or it's not like we've been like the sixes or the knicks heaven forbid you know i feel like if we saw some real dysfunction some real drama then we would see you know people would understand you know what what real you know dissatisfaction and frustration is like. I think because we're in that comfortable level of we're nearly there, but not quite there. Why isn't he making the moves? I think that sports has a special place in most people's hearts where you can get irrationally angry and passionate and just, you know, just take like the hottest of hottest nuclear takes (laughs) for moves that either happen or don't happen. So I think, I think, you know, to say like, everyone needs to get a little bit of perspective is, is completely pointless when, when you're talking about an internet sub, you know, for the most part. As much as I love it, you know, I will, I will be there every day reading it. Um, I don't, I, I can't bring myself to get into it because you are going to have one extreme that's overly optimistic, one extreme that's overly pessimistic, and everyone in the middle sort of gets drowned out. So I understand where people are coming from, and I understand the, the I, and I love the, like the uniqueness and diversity of opinions that are in there, but I think at the end of the day, you know, we uh, people, if, if they're restless or if they're getting over it, it's because we haven't had any real turbulence or any real turmoil to sort of go through, if that makes <laughs> sense. So, no, I, I, I think it's to be, at a, I don't know what point I'm trying to make here, but do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, I think all, I think we're all a little bit reactionary in general. And I mean, the Lakers just won a championship, so we're, we're all a little bit shook. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think people, obviously all this other stuff's going on on our world right now of COVID and everything. So people are just looking for something to be you know mad about. But I think a lot of times it's just that, uh, 
you know, people always jump down Ainge's throat for some of the moves he make, and then and then later realize they were completely wrong about it. Sometimes you just don't really uh, have the full perspective on why he's making certain moves. So, like the hard one's a good example of, yeah, great, great, great at a great town like that. But what if he leaves in two years? I mean, he has two years left on his deal, and if he bails, and then soon to follow, maybe Tatum. You know, we don't, we wouldn't want that to happen. So. Mm. You know, you have to keep all that stuff in, in mind and, and try to build the team I mean, the best you can. So uh, you try not to get too overly negative on the team on any of this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's hard, though. We're always just looking for things to complain about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly people have been channeling that, that desire through the Celtics sub this past week or so. It's so interesting as well because right before the Tristan Thompson signing happened, I, I could not find a positive comment on the subreddit at all. If there was one, then there'd be a pile of comment replies under that telling that person that they were an idiot and a green teamer and foolish to think that Danny Ainge was competent or had any idea what he was doing. Suddenly, Tristan Thompson gets signed. You know, like a we talked about our reaction to, to his signing before. It's not particularly remarkable and yet those same commenters were suddenly like this is awesome like we've got ourselves a squad you know this is great like we're going to go deep in the playoffs now and it's like yeah I mean reactionary is the term that you used before Larbird and uh, and you're right um, yes this is a meaningless internet forum but we have based a podcast over the last three years on it and uh, I <laughs> I fall asleep reading it every night I wake up and it's the first thing I check in the morning so it means a lot to me so it's something that I wanted to discuss um, it seems like there is no rational rational rather um, answer or, or solution to it um, hopefully the signing and the subsequent performance of Jason Tatum can kind of turn the vibe around and we can all get back on the, the Danny Ainge bandwagon and the trust in Ainge sort of philosophy and uh, and move on from there. Look, I've rambled enough. We're keeping Larbird 33 up way too late uh, his time. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. The Celtics news, I think, is just going to keep on rolling in. So we'll be back in a week or so with a lot more to discuss. Larbird 33, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, always love talking to you. And like I said, it's quite late there. So your presence is very much appreciated. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Jackson, love your work, mate. Thanks, buddy. Likewise, Ben. Cheers, buddy. All right, until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Still dance, we supply all the songs. If I'm wrong, you hit the Superman like Soldier at War. You grew your hair an inch longer for the clerk at the store.